is dead. I'll put a new battery in in just a second. Um, I want you to turn your bulletin over to the back and you'll see a Pentagon with our five principles that we take very seriously here. Radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, and extravagant generosity. I want you to write a couple of announcements on the lines that come out from that. In terms of hospitality, parking. I want you to write parking on that line. Park as far away as you possibly can. How many times do you think I'm going to say that to you? A long time. Because we're going to keep getting bigger, and I want to welcome those who need parking the closest. And so I want you to park away. You, if you need to park closely, park closely. But if you can, park a little bit further away. We have two brand new websites. Our official church website now is memorialgreer.com. Very simple. So if you could write that down. It'll be in the bulletin next week, but I wanted you to write it down this week. Memorialgreer.com. All of our emails are aligned with it as well. Just the first name of your staff member. Joe at Memorial Greer. Renessa at Memorial Greer. Don at Memorial Greer. The only exception is our CEP director is CEP at memorialgreer.com. And we also have a new website for the podcast. You just have to go to this website and click listen. And you can listen to it. It's very simple. Sundayscripturepodcast.com. Very simple. And you can listen to the 15-minute um, show that I do with Kristen Dollar, who's the minister at Faith UMC down the corner, and um, Brad Gray, who's at St. Andrews in Charleston. We talk for 15 minutes about what's coming on Sunday morning. If you look at intentional faith development, we have uh, confirmation meetings coming uh, for the winter. We want to prep for that. On October 23rd in the Sunday School Hour at 10 a.m., we'll have a confirmation meeting with students that are sixth graders or above who have not participated in confirmation. And on November 6th, we'll have a 515 meeting, a Sunday night meeting. We're trying to accommodate people's schedules. And so we have those two meetings for the setup for confirmation coming in January, sixth grader or above. If you look at extravagant generosity, I want you to write Epworth. Epworth Children's Home is a home in Columbia, South Carolina for children who are in very distressed situations. They take them out of those situations. They care for them, they feed them, they house them, they get them to school, and they actually have a pretty great graduation rate. They're exceeding uh, some of the other high schools in their care for them. They depend immensely on United Methodist Churches and their gifts. And so if you would um, notate that you want to give to Epworth Children's Home. And on the website, all of our, everything we are is categorized into the five practices. So you can click on extravagant generosity and see online giving and you can click there and give uh, to the church or to Epworth 
specifically. I want to thank uh, Adam Wycliffe for doing a bunch of stuff behind the scenes that have no idea what any of it means. He would tell me that he was coding something for something, and uh, they just work, which I'm very grateful for. And uh, Aaron uh, worked a great deal on it as well. So memorialgreer.com, is uh, um, it works for your cell phone, your iPad, your computer, everything. Uh, it should adapt to that. Um, I want you to check your email from Constant Contact. It might be in your promotions folder. Um, we're at about 61% of our people open their emails, and I'm guessing it's not because you don't want to open it. I'm guessing it's because you don't see it. So if you look in your spam or your promotions, you'll see it, and our percentage will keep rising, and you'll keep knowing more about what we're doing. It comes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Churches don't communicate well enough. I promise we do, if you're paying attention. We'll, we'll tell you everything you need to know. We have a memorial service on Tuesday uh, for Jack Four. We lost him yesterday. Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. Um, the service will be at 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary, and there will be a visitation to follow in the social hall. So the service will be here at 3 p.m. Tuesday afternoon and a um, visitation in the social hall. I believe that's all of our announcements. I encourage you to go in every electronic device you have um, to the website and also let us know if we've made any mistakes. We've looked at it too much. You know when you write a major document and you don't see the mistakes anymore because you've seen too much of it. I want you to look and see if we should change anything. Let's stand and uh, join me in our first hymn, number 154.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first, first uh, scripture this morning is taken from Psalms 130. Hear the word of the Lord. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, O Lord, should mark inequities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch in the morning, more than those who watch in the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him, within Him is great power to redeem. It is He who will redeem Israel from all its inequities. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please turn to page 39 in your hymnal for the baptismal covenant. The liturgy of a baptism in the United Methodist Church involves everyone. Everyone who is present in the room witnesses to the promise, reaffirms the promises that they've made throughout their life, and supports the family in their loving promise as reaching out to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Vivian K. Sanders for baptism. Erin Knight is our children's director and also children's choir director. And so I've asked her to participate in the liturgy of any baptism that we have in the service. And we're grateful to have you, Erin. On 
behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races? We nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. Congregation, in question eight, we now turn to you. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this family now before you in your care? that she may grow in service to others. We will pray for her that she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Now please join me for the Thanksgiving over water, number 10 on page 41. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all, this, all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it and wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. Sleepy monkey. Hmm. Sleepy. It's a tradition in the United Methodist Church to not say the last name because the child is joining all of God's family. Vivian K. Mm -hmm. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've done many baptisms. None who started sleeping and remained sleeping. <laughs> Number one concern of parents, baby will lose their mind. This is not the case today. All kinds of stuff happening without us noticing, without us understanding fully. We can see this image and know that we are this same way. So many loving, gracious things are swirling around us and have been 
before we ever recognized them. And people made promises for us before we ever knew what they were. We joined together in blessing this covenant. I'm going to call the godparents forward. Y'all come and place your hands. Vivian K. The Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Members of the household of God, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may live in grace and peace. We have a certificate um, to commemorate this day. And you may be seated. If you all will turn to page 611 and we are going to sing verses 1 and 3 of Child of Blessing, Child of Promise.
thank you for this house in which we may come and worship away from the world that honks and buzzes and screams calm our hearts and minds prepare us to receive your word help me to get out of the way and to simply be an instrument of your message this day help us to be filled this morning that we can move on from this service to your table that's extended far beyond this worship space. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as your Savior, your Son, inspired his disciples with the prayer he taught them to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. I'll remind you about Epworth. And if you're part of an emerging group of digital givers, we're ready for that. You can see in the bulletin how to text uh, to give one time or recurring.
please be seated. Our scripture passage today comes from Proverbs chapter 1, starting with verse 1. We're in the fifth week of our series on uh, Bishop Willimon's book, Fear of the Other. Um, so many leaders, so many people in our lives motivate us with fear in one way or in another, some ways that can harm us dramatically. Bishop Willimon's book is uh, Fight Against That, to talk about the real um, nature of things and how we can fear God in a way that is a totally different word. So chapter 1, verse 1 from Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instructions in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I encourage you to leave your Bible open if we read more uh, further on. First thing I want you to notice is um, King Solomon could have added anything. This is a story that's told to children from the very beginning all the way up to today. He was offered, as he was settled in as king, when there was a little bit of tension uh, with siblings as to who was going to be the successor to King David. He's sitting in his seat. He has authority. He has power. And God says, I'll give you anything you would like. You tell me what you would like. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you. So what are some options here? Tremendous wealth, absolute power, death of his enemies. These are all things any great leader would choose. Not, uh, not a great leader. Any leader of that time who has that great power. And to be fair, he is in a position of power already. But have you seen a lot of young adults be placed in a position of power with a lot of uh, resources and take that opportunity and squander it? It's tough. It's tough to make very good choices when you are offered limitless possibilities. Think about the moment when you ask uh, your loved one this very simple question. Where do you want to eat? What does that person say? Yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Oh, well, I want chicken. Well, I don't want chicken. <laughs> okay. The only thing you know that you want is not the thing that I suggested when you didn't have any ideas as to what we were going to do. This is a foundation of any good relationship. In fact, I heard a comedian say, uh, I'm going to start a restaurant called Whatever You Want so that my wife will have a place, her favorite place to go. Whatever you want. Imagine that scenario with the implications of this decision. You can have anything. What do you want? Imagine trying to have that conversation with another person and trying to get that right. Solomon chose wisdom. He says, help me understand every aspect of your will, everything about your creation, everything about the human condition, so that I can consistently talk about both things in a way and lead your people. That's pretty impressive. And if you think about the order of what we read, here's what we read. 
This book is for gaining wisdom, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction. Those are three consecutive ways to say you need to learn a little bit more about what you're going to do. And then the fourth thing, doing what is right. We almost come out of the box thinking that we know what is right in a situation, whether we are involved in that situation or not. Limitless people yesterday watching college football saw a player run that way to no avail and said, you know what they should have done? Should have passed it that way. From their chair in their den. Can you imagine how many hours the people who picked what they were going to do have put into whether he should go this way or that way and what he should do? But I'm sitting in my chair watching right here. I could tell you. I know what, I, I know what you're supposed to do. There's times in church life there's times in your work life. There's times in your family. Merciful with your family. And you say, well, I know what you ought to do. I know what you ought to do from over here. But it says, before you ever know anything, there ought to be three different ways in which you're trying to learn a little bit more about the situation, about God, and about yourself. Now, every one of you has pencils in the pew. I want you to take your pencils out. We've got a couple math teachers, and I'm going to see if we can get it. I want you to write down 55. This is anywhere on your bulletin, anywhere. 55 times 49. Who's breaking out their cell phones? 55 times 49 times 16.3. Let's do this. Y'all think it's over or under 39,000? over. 43,928.5. That's how many hours I've spent in ministry. About 55 hours a week, because even when I'm not here, that's all I'm ever thinking about. 49 weeks a year, 16 in a third years. And in fact, I've been here for three hours today. So it's 43,931.5 hours. Now, Malcolm Gladwell says you're an expert in whatever the subject is if you have how many hours in? 10,000. So by that measure, I should be a quadruple expert. I walked into the counters room with some of the great people who count after worship two weeks ago when I was going to continuing ed, and I said, if you can even imagine it, when you see me again, I'm going to be even smarter. You should have seen their response. They were so overjoyed that I would be smarter. How confident should I be in the things that I'm doing? Uh, based on that metric. How confident am I outside of a couple things that I think I know pretty well? You know, there's some things I struggle with. Let me give you three from Proverbs. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Y'all ever want to give that harsh word to whomever it is? It's just stirring up inside of you, and you think, I'm going to lay it to this person, and then they will get it, and then we'll never have to deal with this again. You ever think that? Have you ever done that? When you do it, how does it go? <laughs> never like you hoped. Because number one, you're probably not 100% right. Number two, the delivery murders any message that you had that you were trying to give them. And number three, now there's this thing between the two of you. 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've lived both in every part of my ministry, and I've been successful in some and not 
in others. Proverbs 17.1 Better a dry crust with peace that's um, peace, you know, P-E-A-C-E Better a dry crust with peace than, and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. What's that saying? You know, our life may be simple, but your simple life may be happy. You may have more and more and more and more, but that more and more may just lead to anger. Proverbs 19.3 A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. So if you, like yesterday, if you did that yesterday, or if you did it in your workplace, you'd be like, well, i tell you what they should have done. If somebody, I tell you what you should have done, you, in your situation, or sometimes you say in your situation to God, i tell you what you should have done. The psalmists say it all the time. I'm stuck over here. I'm in a really tough spot. I don't know if you even notice, and everybody's going to make fun of us and say that you're a useless God. That's in Psalms. But how many times did the author get themselves in that position? By their own action or inaction. To me, those three say gentleness, simplicity, and see if you can stay out of your own way. That's not complicated. And it's a really important practice to try. Chapter 1, verse 7. This is what Bishop Willeman used in, um, in the book, what we used in the podcast this week. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there were some smartest ones in the room dealing with Jesus. When they said, you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be speaking to that person. You shouldn't be saying you're the son of God. You shouldn't be going to Jerusalem. You shouldn't be coming over here. Even his own people said, I don't know if you should be doing what you're doing. But what if we were to begin simply with the fear of the Lord rather than we figure we know what's right? Here's a quote from the book. Bishop Willeman said, Our problem in regard to fear is that we fear the other more than we fear the God who commands love one another. We fear another person more than we fear God. And we let our fear of this dictate everything we do in our relationship with God. Now, in my opinion, that's two different words. Two different uses of the word fear. When you hear a phrase, before you begin, you must fear the Lord, I bet there have been instances in which you've been in places in which you were motivated entirely, 100% by fear, and it never let up. Fear of what was going to happen to you, fear of what wasn't going to happen to you based on your relationship with God. But this is different in my opinion. It's respect. It's love. It's purpose. It's understanding that God did stuff before we ever did a thing. And God offers us covenants as we just had in baptism. And God gives us opportunity. Provenient grace, love, free will, opportunity. Over and over and over again. We come here and we talk about provenient grace. You walk out those doors and you have free will. And opportunities arise at the lunch table, at the dinner table, at the workplace, here at church, anywhere. And you've got those opportunities. 
But when we fear someone else, whether they could harm us or whether they um, will be found out that we don't know everything or whether we'll say something stupid, if we thought to ourselves, I respect and love God more than I'm scared of this person, what kind of impact could that have on our actions and our words? I have an app on my phone that gives uh, devotions three times a day. Morning, noon, and night. I read the morning one about 25% of the time. I read the lunch one about 1% of the time, and I didn't know there was a dinner one. Right? That's the way your day sort of goes. I'll especially read the morning one if I wake up one morning and I think, oh. Which is most Sundays. Because there's so many things that are going to happen that day. I'm happy to do it, but there's so many, so many gears and so many things that are going to happen. I read this this morning. Teresa of Avila, a 16th century Spanish mystic, wrote, Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion is to look out to the world. Yours are the feet with which He is about to go doing good. Yours are the hands with which God is to bless people now. How do you feel about that responsibility? You are Christ's body on earth. There's so much motivation about heaven. You are Christ's body here, now, on earth. And you think to yourself, whoa, how am I up for that? Well, all of a sudden, if you feel less than, then you're in a better spot than when you think, yeah, I know what we should be doing. Yeah, I know what God should be doing. Instead, you're thinking, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The respect and the love and the understanding of the purpose of the Lord is the beginning of my being the hands and feet of God. How can you be gentle? How can you be simple? How can you stay out of your own way so that you can impact someone's life this week? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience when we say shoulda, when we say it has been fast enough, when we make promises and then walk the other way. We thank you for your trust in making us your hands and feet, your ears in this community. We thank you for your love that goes before us, not only that preceded us, but goes before us in any situation in which we are called. And we're grateful that when you call us to do something crazy, you have equipped us for that job. Keep us gentle. Keep us humble. Keep us focused on you. Amen. Please stand and join me in our final hymn, number 405.
Please remember and share that our service is at 3 p.m. for Jack 4 on Tuesday. Understand that that is CEP pickup time. It's the prime pickup time that parents are picking up. So if you could possibly park over here, that would help in every way. The reception will follow. You can visit the family after the service. And please check our website and tell us what we can do differently. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.